What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by award-winning dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita, and let's begin. Hi there, welcome to episode 14 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and food peace promoter. I am so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting. And today's episode is brought to you by Birdhouse Nutrition Therapy, Greensboro's premier source of eating disorder, nutrition therapy, and recovery. We support individuals and families who are in the recovery process. And we promise that it's always going to be an environment that is free from diet talk and culture. So we are happy to provide this service to the community. And today's letter writer is from a mom in recovery who has two darling, I'm sure they're darling, um, twin girls who are two years old and starting to make quite a mess in the kitchen. So there's um, some dilemmas she brings up, and I'm so excited to answer these dilemmas. Um, And anybody out there who is a mom or dad or a caretaker, I think you can appreciate the chaos that comes with mealtime. Um, I know in in my family with my two children, I have this saying where whenever somebody knocks over a glass of milk or orange juice or something like that, I'm always like, oh, in our family, we don't cry over spilled milk. But when it happens like three or four times in a meal, I can tell you um, it's not said with as much ease and um, peace because it does get to the point where it starts to like get under my skin and aggravate me. Yet... um, I know our letter writer is um, really hoping to find some ways to keep the peace at mealtime and also helping her daughters to experience food in a way that's health promoting without being harmful. So let's get to the show. Dear food, we've had our struggles, haven't we? All through middle school and high school, I found ways to avoid you 
and then ways to sneak you back in. I binged or restricted food all those years until I was caught knee-deep in the throes of an eating disorder a week before I was supposed to leave for college. I deferred the first semester and got residential treatment. All through college, I worked with an outpatient team to kick my eating disorder to the curb, and I feel like I won. After I graduated and started my career, there no longer was room for my eating disorder. I met my sweet husband, and we are thrilled to be raising our twin girls. I struggled with infertility, probably from all the years with an eating disorder, so they are miracles. I am so filled with gratitude for them and my husband, yet food, I am so afraid. My daughters are two, and it's bringing up some ghosts. I don't want to see these ghosts, but they are plain as a nose on my face. There's no running away. If I don't confront this, I know it affects more than just me, yet everything I love in life. When my daughters were infants, I found feeding so easy and even rewarding. I fed them when they needed it and eventually transitioned it to a a schedule. Once they started eating some cereal and solids, it seemed fine at first. Now that my daughters are two, they are eating normal big people food and it feels so overwhelming. They seem to always want to eat and sometimes they eat with zero restraint, throwing and dropping food or drinks and making a big mess. Other times one will scream, needing food. I will get something prepared only for her to eat a bite and then she says she's done or she will not want to try it. So I try something else or ask her what she wants and it takes forever to decide. Then she melts down, then I melt down too. I think having two makes this worse, yet I only know the twin experience. I just feel so chaotic all the time and don't know how to keep the peace. Is it possible food? Going through all this, I forget how to feed myself, let alone my two daughters. My husband says I should just let them eat whenever they need it, and then if they don't eat at meals, they shouldn't get dessert. My mother says I need to put them on a strict schedule and serve only one portion of carbs and dessert and to give them the veggies first. My heart doesn't agree with either of these and wondering if there's another way. And I'm so scared I will pass on my eating disorder. Like if I screw this up, they will have to endure that hell too. How can I feed my children to keep the peace, help them get what they need and prevent an eating disorder? Might as well throw in a winning lottery ticket because thinking the odds are slim that a solution exists. Help. Sincerely, Terrified Twin Mama. Hi there, Terrified Twin Mama. Thank you so much for your letter. And wow, you sound exhausted. I I hope that the, a miracle is happening right now and both of your daughters are napping and you can have a moment to put, put your feet up, relax, pour a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and just listen for the next few minutes. And I think you'll hear some things that will warrant an experimentation with the feeding style that you have going at home. I also want to tell you that you for sure are not alone. And not only people who are recovering from an eating disorder, but people who've never experienced one could relate to so many things that you are describing in your letter. So as you are in the struggle, I hope you can take a deep breath and step back and remember around the whole world, there are thousands or even probably millions 
of parents who are experiencing this exact struggle. And I think when we can appreciate that, sometimes it can just bring our heart rate down a little bit and um, just know that the struggle is real and you are for sure not alone in this. Yet it is such a common struggle that we dietitians um, have lots of solutions that um, you may find are warranting uh, an experimentation, like I said. So, you know, something I want to share with you, though, is some of my experiences in this exact same kind of chaos which I will tell you, even though I'm trained in food behavior, um, I have a degree in mental health counseling for children and this degree in nutrition, yet when my own children were in the same stage, I found myself having to like reread all of the books. And um, basically, I, I think now, you know, now that I'm, I'm kind of coming to this place where my children are becoming more independent with their feeding, I think it was really hard for me to just trust trust my own skills as a mother and trust my children and being able to get what they want. So I do wonder how much of that is going on with you as well. And, um, you know, one of the experiences though, that taught me a lot was when my daughter, she's now, um, she's almost eight, but when she was two, um, I fed her a lunch that was, um, it was like black beans and cheddar cheese and some avocados and tomatoes And I kind of, at that point, I think I put them in a bowl and she liked to mix it together and just eat it. And then I also would put some sour cream in there, like a little dollop of it. She would usually mix it all up and eat it and make a big old mess, but she just loved it. And one time when I fed it to her, she started eating it. And then she was like, oh, I want some more sour cream. And I'm like, okay. So I gave her another dollop and then she went and got another bowl and put it down. And she's like, no, I just want sour cream. And... I was like, okay, like part of me was repulsed by it because I'm like, who just eats sour cream by itself, right? Like in the mixture of everything, I think it would taste very good, but not just by itself. Um, I must've had a really weird look on my face, but so she repeated herself. She's quite um, stubborn, <laughs> you know, she, so I was like, okay, that that's fine. And in the back of my head, I was, I reminded myself, I'm like, Julie, you know, have a poker face, keep this all neutral. Because uh, I, I recognized that I was starting to judge her food food choices. And I come from this place where I feel like we need to teach our children that all food is equal and it's all neutral. And when we offer a food, you know, they can have as little or as much of that food as they want. So if she wanted more beans in there or more tomatoes or avocado, it probably would have been something that I would have not even like batted an eye, but... There was something just peculiar to me that she just wanted more plain sour cream. So anyway, I gave her some more and she proceeded over the next 10 or 15 minutes to just want more sour cream. And this girl probably ate half a cup of sour cream by itself. And I remember my head being like, when is she going to stop? When is she going to stop eating the sour cream? What if she never stops eating the sour cream? And of course, eventually she did. It just, it blew me away because I was tempted to say that's enough. Um, I remember feeling really scared that she was never going to stop eating it. And then she took a nap and carried on and the day kind of went as normal. A day or two later, something really interesting happened. We had a snack time and I offered um, some fruit and I usually offer like a fruit and um, some kind of protein source like yogurt or cheese and um, sometimes a vegetable. 
And so I offered her these and she said, you know, mom, I really want some tomatoes. And I was like, okay. And so um, she had, I think like a half a pint of tomatoes. And then at dinner that night, I don't remember what the choices were, but the only thing she wanted to eat were the vegetables. And I just thought that was so interesting. And then I remember after she went to bed, I was sitting back and kind of considering it. And I, I thought, wow, she really, you know, she needed more fat probably the day that she got more sour cream. And then her body ended up balancing it out the next over the next few days. And, you know, I think if we just looked at one of those days, like the sour cream day, her calorie level and her fat intake would probably be much more than that one specific day if we were just thinking at like, you know, what a, a, a child at two needs in one day, she probably was getting more. But then the day that she ate all these vegetables and tomatoes, she was probably getting less. But when you put them together, it averaged out really nicely. And at that point, I thought, you know what? I need to stay out of the way. I need to allow my, my children to have choices, but yet I also need to let them be able to choose what their body needs because I'm not in their body with them their body knows. And as a parent, I'm going to set some boundaries, but outside of those boundaries, I need to let them be. I, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with it. And that's something that I would encourage you to experiment with as well. Terrified mama. I know it can be terrifying. I do. And not only is this something that me as a dietitian has noticed, but researchers also have noticed this too. Leanne Birch is a researcher out of Pennsylvania, and she's done lots of interesting research on preschoolers and their food intake. And if you let um, one of her research studies, she looked at um, preschoolers and she let them loose in a cafeteria setting over a week's time. And they had a wide variety of food choices, fruits, vegetables, proteins, and lots of desserts. And the first day or so, they ate a lot more of the high calorie kind of dessert fun food. But by the end of the week, what they noticed when you looked at a week's worth of nutrition, they got what they needed. Like in the beginning, it probably was exciting. But then after a few days, it just kind of balanced out like their body got what they needed as long as so no one messed with it. So I have a... Um, I have a very low tolerance for chaos at feeding time. That's something that I've learned. <laughs> Yet I have a um, colleague and friend. She's actually a dietitian that works for me at Birdhouse Nutrition Therapy. Her name is Katie Holder. And unlike me, um, she like totally has fun in the chaos. And she has three children, um, three under the age of four. So what you're describing, um, twin mama, she doesn't have twins, but she does have three children. And it sounds like a similar kind of chaos. And um, I'm going to give her a call because I think Katie will have even more insight. Plus, she's in the trenches a lot more now than I am. So let's give Katie a call. And I think she'll have some more solutions for you. Katie. Hey, it's Julie. Hey, Julie. How do it? <laughs> I'm good. I am so glad that you're spending this time with us and helping out Terrified Twin Mama. Yeah, thanks for having me. This yeah. is one of my favorite things to talk about. Oh, I'm so glad. And, you know, before we even talk about this letter, can we talk about the um, giant elephant in the room that you're, <laughs> that you're in the next room? <laughs> 
I am. I can hear you with both ears. I hear you on the phone and I can, yes, it's so funny to talk to you on the phone in the other room. Yeah, that's hilarious. So listeners, just so you know, Katie Holder is a fabulous dietitian that works with me and she's actually in the next room because I am technologically not that advanced and couldn't figure out a way for us to just tape in the same room. So, you know, I just called her on the phone instead. But um, Katie, the reason why I wanted to talk to you when I read this letter is because I got the sense that she is like in this total sense of chaos. And I have shared with you before, like, I'll tolerate the chaos, but I don't really like it. And I get the sense that you just roll with it and you have fun. So I think like your attitude will add a lot of like extra substance. Plus, like you're in the trenches of like the toddler, like early, like feeding right now. Yeah. So did you get a chance to read the letter? I did. Yeah, I got a chance to read the letter. And it's so funny you um, mentioned me being in the trenches because when I read this letter, I had my first two initial thoughts were how cool that this mom is trusting her instincts that something feels off with feeding for her kids and it is possible to have peace, but the peace is still going to have an element of chaos, but not the kind of chaos that she's experiencing, not the emotional chaos that she's experiencing. Oh, but there is definitely yeah. chaos that comes with little people and feeding. Yeah, well, that's a really good point because I think you're right. Like, she has these really great instincts because, you know, she did all this work to like help her recovery and like heal her own relationship with food. And that's why like all these things are like, I don't know, like flags are going up saying, wait, no, that doesn't make sense. I think that's a really good instinct. And you're right. Like she needs to trust that. And like, if she does find a way to like, completely trust the process, like the chaos will be there, but it won't be the same kind of chaos that she may be thinking of, like with her eating disorder, like that type of chaos. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Like I can't imagine, I think, um, just a self, I have three small kids, four and under, I think you might've mentioned mm-hmm, that, but mm-hmm. you know, every, I laugh, my, my mom laughs when she has heard that I've given this talk before about peace at mealtime. I like, um, like I said, it's one of my favorite things to talk about because if you come over to my house, when we sit down to eat, it is chaos. Everybody's talking, there's rice on the floor, food, <laughs> you know, it's everybody makes a mess. At least a cup is spilled at least one meal. I mean, I don't think I've made it a meal in the last three years where somebody hasn't spilled a drink. Um, (laughs) But, but, yeah. Um, But when it comes to, you know, my kids having, you know, a good relationship with food and with their own hunger and fullness, there is definitely a piece there. And I don't have to question or have anxiety about feeding my kids, you know. So, again, like I said, it's it's a a different kind of chaos, but Mm -hmm. there's a, a real that can come um, with mealtime that definitely doesn't have to be scary. Okay, so that like makes me wonder, like, so how did you set up? Because I get the sense that you set up something to make it so that you can, you feel like you trust that your kids are not experiencing like a chaos, like it's just chaos, because it's just like lots of people. Um, But like, how do you like set it up? So there is like the sense of trust with the process. Yeah, so I'm a huge fan of family-style dining, and this is what I really work with my clients to to incorporate, too. Um, There's a couple of things that we have at mealtime. 
So um, every meal, I do ask that my family come to the table. You know, we don't often, every once in a while we'll do something fun and have like popcorn in a movie or, you know, pizza in in front of a movie on a Friday night or something like that. But our general rule of thumb is that we come to the table and we do what I call family style dining. And I tell my clients, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, June Cleaver perfect looking, but it can be just throwing takeout onto the table. But we put everything on the table. Um, and I always make sure I have, you know, like a, a couple of starches. I usually, because my kids are so little, I typically do a fruit and a vegetable because vegetables can come and go at this phase, which is really normal developmentally. But fruits are usually generally well accepted. So I always try to make sure there's a fruit and a vegetable, some kind of protein. And I really like to make sure that there's some kind of a couple of different sources of fat. So whether it's salad dressing or butter for bread or sour cream and cheese for baked potatoes, I just plop it all on the table. And we have a rule at our house that, you know, you can have as much or as little of whatever mom's got on the table and you can opt not to have something. So I let my kids tell me from the table what they would like to have um, and then how much, you know, I start with a small serving, and then if they want more, they can continue to eat until they're satisfied or it's gone off the table. And there's never any pressure to eat certain foods. It's always, you know, know, I feel comfortable that I've offered them certain things, and then they get to pick, you know, really they get to honor their own hunger and fullness and their taste preferences, which in this age change um, and kind of morph as they're discovering new foods. Right. Yeah, it's so variable, isn't it? And you can't really like once I feel like once we can kind of like see a trend, oh, you know, like my daughter loves this or my son loves this, like the next day it changes and they hate it and they want something completely different. (laughs) So, yes, yeah. And it's so normal. People, so many of my parents that come in, it it concerns them. And, you know, it's really normal. We call it food jags. Um, Food jags happen in two different ways. It's like a taste preference, but it can also be an appetite thing. I love to tell the story. Um, We see pickiness. It's pretty normal to see a two-year-old is going to be, and it's so funny that this this writer has two two two-year-old twins right now, which has got to be so challenging um, on a lot of levels. But at two, it's really pickiness really peaks. It's very normal. You'll see that's when we see a huge spike in tantrums. It's when there's that big battle for control. And they do that at the table, too. Well, you know, as, as kids grow out of, get older and develop more, their taste buds change and their willingness to try things changes as well. And I'll never forget my um, son. He's three. He's getting ready to turn four. Last summer, he just had his third birthday. And I'm telling you, for probably a year, he would not touch a vegetable. Would not touch a vegetable. Would not touch a vegetable. Continued to put it on the table. We would eat it, but he would not touch them. We came in from the pool. He got out of the bathtub. You know, we're getting ready to sit down for dinner. And my daughter, we were having, my daughter wanted celery and ranch, his sister. And he looked at me. He was like, you know, Mom? I think I'll have some celery today <laughs> and had not touched a vegetable. And I mean, I couldn't even tell you the last time we've had one. And my husband and I looked at each other and just kind of rolled with it. We said, oh, OK, no problem. And ever since then, I mean, he eats it. He eats many vegetables several times a week. But, you know, he just knew that he had that permission to try it. And if he didn't like it, he didn't have to have it. And, you know, he could try, have something else for dinner. So. Yeah. Well, you. it's interesting because um, terrified twin mama's mother suggested that she feed her um, daughters the vegetables first. And so what you're saying is that's not a good idea because that's going to be setting up like some kind of battle that's going to be natural at two and three. 
anyway. So like it's going to obviously be at the table too. So with your son, just because he had like the repeated exposure instead of the pressure, it probably led him to like enjoy vegetables on some level as much as someone at that age can. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Absolutely. And, and just, you know, because he had that will, like the openness, you know, one of the things that you brought up dessert, and I, you know, I know that that was something that um, Terrified Twin Mama's mother had recommended. You know, one of the things that we love to do at dinner time is just serve dessert with dinner, like a side. Mm. And so it helps our kids see that you can enjoy a brownie just as much as you can enjoy rotisserie chicken and just as much as you can enjoy raspberries or, you know, any kind of food. So there's no, there's no extra allure to what we call like those really like to the sweet, rich desserts. It's just another food that mom lets us have, you know, on a regular basis. And so they end up having, they have a much more normal or um, normal response to those foods, you know, mm-hmm. just like to any other food I put in front of them. Well, and I think that's what the letter writer is searching for is like, how does she provide the variety because she's so afraid of her eating disorder history coming back to haunt her children, you know? And so by just continuing to offer them and expect that to not always be something that the kids are going to want to actually eat, you know, just keep offering and offering and offering it. So what about like when either your children or a client's child is angry at the table or doesn't want to eat it or has a tantrum, how would you suggest for them to handle that? Well, I think tantrums at tables definitely happen <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, you know, you know, my encouragement would be never to force your child to eat. Um, you know, it's okay to have your child to help your child calm their body. We call it calming our body at our house. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it goes along with this idea of permission. One of the beautiful you know, one of the great things about having, you know, meals and snacks is that there may come a point for whatever reason, whether it's a tantrum or not being hungry or not feeling well or just being tired or having, a, you know, a big lunch meal and not really ready for dinner or, you know, whatever the case is, um, I think it's important that your child has the option to say, you know, we say no thank you at our house to say, you know, mom, I'm really not hungry. No, thank you for this. Um, and then plan to have a bedtime snack a couple hours later before bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but allow your child the permission, whether it's just because they're in a bad mood or whatever, you know, whatever the case is to just say, you know, I'm not hungry right now or for whatever reason, I don't, I don't want to eat at this setting. And just, I think it's okay for the child to say that. And I think it's okay for the parent to say, you know, that's no problem. You don't have to eat. Um, just say that there's nothing else until, you know, snack time before bed. And that yes. gives yes. mom permission to have really good, healthy mealtime boundaries and not feel like she has to stay in the kitchen to please everybody, but also that child to say, you know, I don't, either I'm not hungry or I'm really angry right now and I don't want to eat. It, it really honors, you know, I feel like both parties. I think, I think you said something that's really important because when I work with people who are in recovery while they're raising their children, I wonder if you see this too, but it seems like the boundary is something that is really challenging. Like it, it's um, like putting up some kind of boundary, like, okay, so if you don't want these choices, then um, mealtime is going to be over. And the next time you can eat is the blah, blah, blah time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for some of my clients who are in recovery, it can feel really scary to have a boundary um, because they're afraid then it's like setting them up. But like something that I think you and I are on the same page about is like healthy boundaries are important for many different reasons, right. even even outside of like the food part, but just like, 
you know, as a mother, you can't be like cooking 24 seven. I mean, we need our time to like chill out. So right. (laughs) And the kitchen is closed. That's what I tell them. I'm like, okay, guys, at this time, kitchen's closed. Next time you can eat. That's right. Mama is done. (laughs) I mean, I need to put my feet up. So um, absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know if you have anything like you any kind of reaction to like healthy boundaries with eating and like helping this letter writer in her own recovery. Um, or I think it sounds like she's really just scared of like passing on the eating disorder um, by setting a boundary. Yeah, I think, I think it's important to distinguish, you know, I think it's important to remember that the boundary is not about a person's body. It's about having manners and table etiquette and having just kind of a flow to your day and a flow to the meals. One of the things about having like, you know, planned meals and snacks and offering several choices is that, you know, I like this idea. I don't know if I've, if you've ever heard of Ellen Satter, well, I know you have Julie, but Ellen <laughs> Satter has some great resources and um, she has something called the division of responsibility. And I love this. I use it with just about every family that I work with and I use it at home and it talks about how, um, You know, parents, as a parent, your job is to decide what, when, and where the food is offered, and your child gets to determine if they want to eat and how much of whatever is put in front of them. And I feel like what's neat about that is that you as a parent get to determine boundaries in your home. You get to determine the flow of meals and what is offered, and your child gets to listen to their own internal clock and own internal signals. So I feel like it's it takes that pressure off of you, you know, micromanaging their food and puts it on, they get to listen to their own body, and really you get to, you just get to decide when food's offered and, you know, and what you, what you want to offer. Um, mm. I love that. And of course, yes, I love Ellen Satter. And on this podcast, we talk about Ellen Satter so much that I almost feel like I need to have like an Ellen Satter moment of the show with like a special little jingle or something. <laughs> she just rocks so much. But yeah, but I think, um, you know, bringing up Ellen Satter and the type of boundaries that she describes to support healthy eating and like a healthy feeding relationship is something mm-hmm. that I think protects someone from experiencing an eating disorder. And, yeah. you know, there are some people whose genetics are just saturated with um, eating disorder and other types of um, comorbidities like perfectionism and um, addiction, like other things that could make it happen no matter what a parent does. Like some people are just going to experience it. And then it's almost like on a continuum. And then other people, they may be slightly at risk. And so for this letter writer, by teaching her children this type of way of eating with boundaries, it's almost like it's going to be protective for an eating disorder. And as long as she doesn't put her either one of her daughters on a diet or talk about diets in front of her and not go on a diet herself, I feel like she's doing all she can, in some sense, with her own behaviors to protect them. And so if anything, like setting the boundary is going to be helping not harming the process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. and she has, it sounds like she has really good mama bear instincts. She does. She, knew, she does. From the beginning, it sounds like she worked really hard in recovery. And she just knew that even if her husband and her mother were coming from a loving place and her attempts were coming from a loving place, she she felt something was off. And I tell my clients all the time that are in recovery and working with their own children, you know, feeding their families, you have really good instincts. And if your red flag is going off, you know, her red flag's going off. And instead of ignoring that, she's saying, look, I just want to just want to reach out and just 
kind of have some validation and some support to make sure I'm, I'm headed in the right path so that I can set my help do the best I can to set my kids up for success. Right. Well, you know, uh, you mentioned Ellen Satter. And on this uh, podcast, we have something called a food peace syllabus. And basically, yeah. anything that can further help someone's um, eating disorder or relationship with food, we have this list of resources. And so you mentioned Ellen Satter. And is there like a type of Ellen Satter resource that you recommend to most people? Yeah, um, her she has a website. It's called ellensatterinstitute.org. Mm-hmm. I like and families there. She has several different drop down bars, and um, they're very very user friendly and very easy common sense. You know, um, tools that you can kind of print out and keep just and to free. kind of guide you and free. Yes, <laughs> yeah. very free. And and for the, and I like it too because for those of us that are kind of we like our research to back up why we do what we do. Um, I'm kind of nerdy like that. Um, she has she has her uh, she's got research published that shows that her it's called the Ellen Sider Competence Model um, that division of responsibility that it really does work and it does decrease the incidence of eating disorders and just problem problems with feeding all around. Awesome. Um, so it's got awesome. that link too. So I like to, you know, I feel like it's user-friendly, yeah. easy to read, easy to maneuver, free, and it has research. It, you know, shares that too to if you're curious to explore more. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I'll go ahead and put that in the show notes. And also I'm going to go ahead and put a, a link to your page on the Birdhouse Nutrition website. And I heard the bell go off. So I think <laughs> I think your client is here. <laughs> That's right. So in our office, we have these little bells that go off when our clients are here. So I heard Katie's. So I'm going to let you go because I know you have a long day of work ahead of you. Yes. But thank you so much for taking time out of your day. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Terrified Twin Mama, thank you so much for your letter. And I hope from the conversation with Katie and me, you are able to gather some solutions and first steps towards some healthy boundaries and also some confidence in that, you know what, you you got this. You can trust yourself. Food has written you back. But before I let you listen to what food has to say, I want to give you some advice. I hope that you can take a step step back and maybe even have a seat and relax and just really acknowledge that, you know what? You're doing a great job. You're doing a really great job. And even though you don't always um, trust it and sometimes it gets messy, there's always some kind of spilled milk or something going on, but you know what? You're doing a really good job. And to those little girls, you are their world. I do hope that you can just remember that you've got this. So take care. Dear Terrified Twin Mama, let me give you a hug. Being a mother is the toughest job and you're raising two at the same time. We know we haven't always met eye to eye, yet we've longed for the day that you trusted and respected your body to communicate its nutrition needs. It has been inspiring to see you bravely stand tall in your recovery. You've learned to trust yourself, and that's what you need to do now. Set healthy boundaries for your daughter's meal and snack time choices. Then, take a deep breath and grab a dish towel for the normal mess. Trusting your mama bear instincts will help them appreciate and trust their own body, and that's setting them up to stay body positive. Love food. 
Do you have a complicated relationship with food and want to change? I want to help. Send your dear food letter to lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. I hope to read about your experiences soon. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food series. Have you enjoyed the show or would you like to give me feedback? I welcome your thoughts. Please give a review in iTunes and subscribe. This type of kindness helps the show continue. You can also tweet me at eatingpermitrd. Take care. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.